so 86% of Canadians um, pray. They view prayer as, um, even those who are not even religious or have rejected religion or, or call themselves atheists. This is not a survey of just people who pray. This is a survey of uh, anyone and everyone. People are more likely to pray at home um, or in informal settings rather than at a place of worship. And Canadians pray for a variety of reasons, reasons, but the most common reasons that we pray are to thank God and to ask for help. One in five Canadians say they take time to pray every day. And an additional 10% say that though they don't pray every day, they still manage to do it several times uh, each week. Also, um, if a child was taught to pray as a child, there is a larger chance that they will be praying, uh, they will be praying adults. Um, and so if uh, a person does not pray during childhood, the chances are they're going to, they're not going to pick it up as an adult. Of those who say they never prayed as a child, 80%, 86% still don't pray as an adult. So, I mean, that's uh, something for our, our youth leaders and, uh, and parents too. It's always good to teach early on about uh, prayer. But anyways, that seems like a whole other sermon there. But uh, anyways, all religions pray. It's not just Christians who pray. Hindus will pray and, and Buddhists and, and Muslims and even atheists. I don't know if that's considered a religion or not, but it does take faith to be an atheist, and they even pray, uh, surprisingly. Most people do pray. So even if we include people who don't pray, though, 70% of people surveyed said that prayer adds something to the life of the person being prayed for um, and add something to our communities and to our cities and to our country. So some interesting stats on prayer. All sorts of people pray, as I mentioned. Prayer is different, though, uh, depending on what you think prayer is or depending on the image you have of the God you're praying to. And so Buddhist people pray for different reasons, and their prayers sound different than Hindus, uh, than Muslims who pray five times a day if they are religious, if they are following uh, their religion. And it looks, again, different uh, for Christians and, I guess, for atheists as well. But what is it, then, that makes our prayers different? Since so many people are praying anyways, but why do we pray? And how is it any different? I'll give you just a couple of seconds to think about that. Like, What is the basis for our prayer, our praying? And how is it different than someone from another religion who also prays regularly or as regular? What is at the core of our prayers? I want to say that at the very base, the very foundation of our prayers as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, however you want to, whatever word you want to use to describe us Christians, at the very base is a God who is loving. God is a loving God. If, if, we, if I had a fill-in-the-blank question, you know, God is blank, there are several things you can put in that blank. If, if I said, you can only use Scripture to do that. There's a, God is a consuming fires in Deuteronomy, and again repeated in, in Hebrews. You could say God is spirit. Uh, that's in the New Testament. Uh, you could say um, God is, there's only about five or six that are that, that explicit. But God is love, and 1 John chapter 4, I believe, summarizes a large teaching of the biblical story 
it summarizes a lot of the Bible, summarizes um, a big chunk of who God is, if not everything that he is. God is love. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, because I believe this is the basis for our prayers, which is different than people who pray from other, different, from other faiths or even who have no faith. God, as a God of love, is who our God is. And that is not the same God that other people pray to when they pray to God. So if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 to 16, twice in here is that phrase, God is love. Let me read this, 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 to 16. And as I read this, you'll see God is love is there, but let's look at the broader context and how this love is actually expressed. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This summarizes a large teaching of Scripture. Did a whole sermon series on this a little while ago when God introduced himself. We have many times throughout scripture, especially in the prophets, where they are mediating what God is saying to his people. Say, so, hey, God is saying this, and so do this, or correct this, or, or God is just saying, this is how I feel about you. But in Exodus chapter 34, this is God's self-introduction. He introduces himself in his own words directly to this man named Moses. These verses have been so key for Christians throughout centuries. They are repeated over and over and over again, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. And we, this is kind of a summary of a whole sermon series we did not that long ago. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6. It says, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, this is God's, and this is who I am, Moses, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Here is God introducing himself, essentially saying, God, I am a God of love. Over and over again. You can see there's notes in there. If you're looking at the online notes or the paper notes, over and over again, this is repeated. God is compassionate. God is gracious. He is slow to anger. It often talks about God being slow to anger. It never says God is slow to love or slow to show compassion or slow to forgive. 
He is slow to anger, but at the very core of who he is, he can't stop being loving. He can't stop being forgiving or compassionate. This is a summary. 1 John 4, 8 and following is just the summary of who God is. And this is the God that we pray to. This is really important as we understand how our prayers are, are different than other prayers. Look at 1 John chapter 4 in those verses there. How is it that he shows his love to us? His love is shown to us by giving up his son, by dying for us, God himself taking our place, dying for us. This is a tremendous show of love, and it culminates in Jesus Christ. Throughout Scripture, there have been times when a person was referred to as a friend of God. Abraham was referred to several times as God's friend, and I believe even Muslims call Abraham um, a friend of God, is a term that they have for him. Abraham was known to be a friend of God. Moses was known to be a friend of God. These words were used for them, but this is, we think of Moses, we think of Abraham, maybe we think of Elijah. These are like, wow, superheroes. But these are real people, like human beings. They're not half God, half man. They're 100% people, humans. And they had entered into this relationship with God, and God was it, God who created the universe. This is pretty amazing. Calls them friend. But this isn't just for superheroes. This isn't just for people with super faith. In John chapter 15, this is a passage that small groups you can look at in more detail when you meet during this week. John chapter 15, Jesus calls us his friends. And some people have a bit of a like a um aversion to thinking like God is my friend. And I'm not talking about God, you know, like a, like a buddy or like, you know, God is my boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Not that kind of a God, but God is a, a friend to us and he, he wants to enter into that kind of relationship with us. In John chapter 15, he defines who his friends are. He says, um, greater love is no one than this, that, that you die for your friend. Like, who did he die for? He died for us. We are called friends of God. And so, since God is a relational being, since he created us, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, it's very core, Genesis 1 2, read that over and over and over again. It's very core to our understanding of everything about who God is. He created us in his image. Male and female, it says he created us in his image. He is a loving God. He exists as, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created us to be relational beings, and he, he, he's inviting us into that loving relationship with him. Buddhism doesn't have that. Islam does not have that. Hindu does not have Shinto. Their gods are different. They're pictured differently, and so their prayers are different. But our God is a compassionate God who's known to be slow to anger, who loves to forgive. It is very relational. And so if you have a relationship with someone, what does that mean? It means you, you have a relationship with them. Like you're talking, you're hanging out, you're communicating, you have a relationship. It goes you know, back and forth. And this is, this is the foundation of our prayers as Christians, as those who are friends of God. I hope that considering yourself a friend of God is not awkward for you. If it is, then read John chapter 15. Some of us may have grown up with a, an image of God that highlights one aspect of him. And so it maybe makes us afraid. And fear of God is also very biblical, and it's, it's us 
important that we respect him and we, we honor him and we, we obey him. But at the very core of who God is, he's loving and he's calling us into this loving relationship. And so we talk to him, we communicate with him, we listen to him, and we pray even on a personal one-to-one basis. This is at the very core, I believe, of who, of who God is, and that's why it's important for us as we think about prayer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32 We're reminded all through the New Testament, this, this loving, this love of God is, is most explicitly expressed in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. says, God, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Or Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is, this is the best expression of loving someone. And John 3.16, I need to read this in the NIV version because I memorized it in King James. And our quizzers would um, get confused because they're memorizing the NIV. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. These are just a few of the Bible passages that we can highlight to talk about God's loving relationship, the fact that he desires to have this relationship with us. People are referred to as his friends, and he's inviting his entire church into this kind of a relationship with him. And so we pray, and he responds. And so I want to use this model friendship today, a friendship with God as a model for our prayer, and I hope that it encourages you, that it motivates you to spend some time uh, praying, uh, even more than once a week or even once a week, uh, daily, having this relationship with God. We can come to church, we can do all sorts of things here, but it's not quite the same as having a relationship. Coming to church and serving and teaching Sunday school or leading youth, these are all things that help us develop our relationship with Jesus and his body, because we are his body. But there's still more to this intimate, personal relationship that is best expressed through prayer. Are you experiencing that uh, in your prayer life? So let's, let's look at this model of friendship with God and how that might affect how we approach prayer. What would you say are a few, how do you define who's a friend? Some people have uh, friend groups, some people, I don't know, BFF is still a thing, best friends, or you have uh, acquaintances, or maybe people you just know, or they're school friends, uh, they're church friends, but this is like a friend friend. Uh, what, what are some of the um, characteristics, what are some of the, the, the traits, what are some of the things that you use to determine who's a friend and who's not? Yeah, good listener. Okay, what? <laughs> Sorry. Trustworthy. trustworthy. Okay, yeah. They're not going to like um, betray your secrets or something. You could trust them, right? So you trust this person. You, you, uh, they listen to you. Okay, any other characteristics that might define a friendship? Loyalty. Loyalty? Yeah. That's what you said? Okay, good. Loyalty. You said it at the same time. Um, so these, I want you to, 
picture this is, is we can picture a personal friendship. We might define friends a certain way. I mean, God is so amazing. He is so far above us, and we can't understand everything about him. Like, he created everything. But he comes down to our level. He meets us where we're at. Like, if we were rocks, he would have become a rock and, and been beside us just so that we could learn about who he is. I heard, uh, maybe I just saw a headline. Do you ever just read headlines, and then you pretend you read the article? This is what happened to me this week. Um, <laughs> apparently, according to a headline I read once, um, you know, and scientists will tell me otherwise, right? Or they'll agree with me. The headline I read, trees communicate with each other through the roots. And so they're, they're letting people know oh, there's a storm coming or there's like bugs or something. Somehow trees are communicating uh, to each other. Bizarre, eh? I think I could, you know, believe it because I read it in the headline. Um, <laughs> but like if we were trees, God would have become a tree so he could communicate with us and show us and so he did that for us. He became a human being, which is so beneath him. He became like something he created. God come down to our level. And so he wants to be our friends. He wants to talk to us. He wants to listen. He wants you to know that he's trustworthy and he's loyal. These are themes repeated all throughout Scripture. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. All of these things. And he's coming down to a level to show us these things. So prayer is one of the best ways uh, that we meet God in that kind of thing. So here's just a few things that I came up with. And um, these similar to what you just kind of brainstormed. Friends are uh, people that have the same, same deep interests. You share uh, some of the common. Of course, we're friends with people who, who don't um, have all the same interests. But often we, we, we might congregate around like... Um, Fortnite, because we all play Fortnite together, or you met online, or, or maybe your friends who um, you know, just have commenters, you like certain TV shows, right? And so you can talk about the, you like, you like talking about the sports together, or there's something, or you would go and do things together. We all enjoy uh, curling, and so people, it's like a, my curling buddies, and then, so, right, you, you have common interests. Those are all kind of surface interests that I just mentioned, but there's things that are deeper, maybe even... Um, you meet people uh, at school or at work, and you find, oh, they, they, they think the same way I do about parenting. Or they think the same way even about faith. And Oh, you, you, you develop a common interest. And so friends, right, uh, we have common interests. We have shared interests. And so it is with, with God. As we develop our friendship with him, especially through prayer, we develop the same interests that he has. And, and what are those things? What is he concerned about? And we become Concerned about those same things. Are there any things that he hates? We end up hating those things too. And who does he love? And we end up loving those things as well. And one of the ways to do that is through prayer. Another way is through reading a scripture. And we realize, oh, this is who God is. And as we memorize these verses or we, as we meditate on it, it becomes, yeah, you know what? I have the same interest that God has. And, and when there's injustices, I get angry too. You know, I don't hate the people, but when I see injustice, I hate injustice. And that's, you develop the same shared interest. And one of the best ways is, is meditating. That's a kind of prayer on scriptures, passages, the Psalms. You realize God is like this. That's beautiful. And you end up developing the same interests. And in, does that make sense? As, as, as God does. So, and then you become friends with him. And then when you do know what he's concerned about, it makes prayer just kind of flow. God, I know you're a God of justice. You're against violence, and so we can be praying for those things for our city. 
And we know that we're in line with him because it's like, you know, we've developed that kind of a friendship and a relationship. And so if you're not reading uh, the Bible, it's a, it's a great way to get to who God is. So you can learn to share his characteristics. Memorizing the Bible. There's a great app, the Bible Memory app. It helps me memorize scriptures. Before, when I was younger, it was easier. It's harder now, right? You're all nodding. Use the app. It helps you to memorize scripture. And that we learn who God is. So that's one of the things. We have friends, we have, we have common interests. We share the same deep interests. And this helps us when we're asking God for things. Because we know I'm asking God just according to what you want, according to your will. These are the things that, that you desire too. So I'm going to pray for those as well. And it brings so much more power to our prayers as we're praying for others. Another thing is friends um, share with each other. right? Some, some friends will just... Just kind of hang out, and you share what you're, what you're thinking with your friend, and your, shen, your friend shares um, what she's feeling with you or what he's feeling with you. So sometimes we think, you know, the, God already knows what I need, so I don't need to ask him, right? Because he knows, so what, what's the point of that? We're kind of missing the point. God loves to just hear us and to share and this, let him know. This is what I'm feeling, God, and this is, I know you already know what I need, but I just want to tell you what I need. And I want to share with you what I'm thinking about this and, and how I'm feeling. And whatever feeling it is, God, could, God created that feeling. He can take it. And we've seen numerous examples right throughout Scripture where it's like, man, they don't, they're not very happy. Is that even okay to feel that way as a Christian? Yeah, just let God know how you're feeling. And he will often let you know how he's feeling. He'll let you know how he feels about you and how he feels about the people that you think you hate. And he'll develop those kinds of same thinkings and feelings. So you share. It's okay to ask. That's one of the main things that Canadians pray for, thanking and asking. And that's good. Don't stop asking just because he knows what you need. Let him know. Because friends do that, right? You share. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm feeling. Do you ever do that with God? Can you? But if you picture him as your friend, does that make it easier? To do that, you know, this is how I feel about my work situation right now. This is what I'm thinking, you know, about my children. And just some people do that by writing, and they'll write like a prayer journal, and it helps them to to make their thoughts a little more clear. So I'm just God. I just want to know what I'm thinking right now, because and God loves that. He loves when we're when we're not silent. He loves us sharing our lives with Him. So that's another thing that we um, can be doing. Friends um, hold each other uh, accountable, right? A good friend would, if they see, you know, you're kind of going on the wrong path, I, uh, I, I think I need to let you know how I feel and what I think about this. And uh, friends are open to you holding them accountable. And so do you ever, of course, God, we are, we're sure God holds us accountable, right? He'll, he'll give us pangs in our conscience or, or he'll just let us know maybe you shouldn't have, like, you know, punch that person in the face or whatever. Not that that would ever happen, but he lets us know. He holds us accountable. But what about us holding God accountable? You ever thought of that? It's kind of a strange thought, isn't it? We don't hold God accountable in the same way that he might hold us accountable or the same way a friend holds us accountable. But when you know his character and when you see how the people like Moses prayed, when you see how Abraham prayed when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, when you see how Elijah prayed, we see how some of these prayer warriors prayed, it's like they are holding God accountable. 
Like, God, you're compassionate. Yeah, I don't see any compassion on these people. God, this is who you made these promises. Don't fall down now. Don't, don't go back on your promises. And God, this is what you said. I know this because it's in your word. And you're not going to go against your word because that's kind of silly. So it's in your word and you can, it's kind of holding God accountable. Not really, right? Because it's I mean, so much greater. But like, God, you said this. You desire everyone to come to know you. So I'm going to pray into that. Here's my son or my daughter or my friend. They don't know you and they're still resisting you. You can pray into that. So I know you're not really holding God accountable, but you can pray as if you are. And, and um, I said, oh, you know, whatever God wills as well is fine. I'm, I'm just going to let it happen. I think God's inviting us into that kind of a, a friendship. If we follow the examples of the prayer, people who pray uh, in the Bible. God, you said this, but I don't feel it. Show your love to me. Show your compassion. This person is hurting. They've been... They haven't, um, they're asking for healing and they're not getting healed. God, you're a compassionate God. Show compassion on these people. Show your mercy for these people. In that kind of way, helps us develop that kind of relationship. How about this one? Uh, friends need each other. If you don't really need a friend, then it's, you know, or if they don't need you, it's kind of like a one-way friendship. We need God, obviously. We would die this instant if God wasn't keeping us alive, but does God really need us? Is this the kind of friendship he's inviting us into? If we didn't exist, God would keep on existing, right? He existed before we did, before the creation of the world. How is it then? Does God really need us? This is a tricky question. But I look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked his friends, his the other disciples to, you know, hey, pray with me. It's like, I, I need your strength. I need you to be with me. I, there's a good example there. If you want to meditate on that one, the Garden of Gethsemane, it seems like Jesus is needing his friends when he was living um, here on earth. But I wouldn't really say that God needs us. Except that God has chosen to stoop down to our level. He has chosen to limit himself. He can do whatever he wants, and he'll, he'll, he'll make Winnipeg look whatever he wants it to look like, no matter what he wants to do. But so often, he chooses to limit himself to, I want to work through you. You're my body. I want you to pray for these things. That's why James says, you don't have because you haven't asked. And so, so often, God said, he limited himself when he became a human being. And so there's this self-limiting, which is a part of love, because if you don't really need the other, you can't really be loving, but God is asking us. He can do whatever he wants, of course. We believe that. But he's asking us to join him into this partnership and this relationship. And sometimes our city is so violent, maybe just because people haven't prayed against it. Maybe you don't have just because you haven't asked. God could do whatever he wants, but then what's the point of us? We can do whatever. It doesn't matter what we do doesn't matter how we behave. doesn't matter if we love or hate. God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. But he's chosen his church. He's chosen his followers of people to, to accomplish his mission for the world. And so there is a sense, if you can understand, that God does need us. Not intrinsically, but he's limited. So if he likes to stoop down to our level and like, let's do this together. 
kind of like an example I gave before where there was a grandfather wrestling with their uh, grandson and he stoops down to that grandson's level. He could, you know, just pick him up and, you know, sit down, but he's just, I'm pretending, you know, to, to limit my, my, my strength just so I could be part of that playful relationship building exercise. And so this is how God wants. So I, I wonder if picturing God as a friend, as a biblical friend, as we see in scriptures, would help us and motivate us to pray if we picture him uh, as a friend. The epitome of this friendship is, is expressed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, that is, that is love. God is loving and he's inviting us into this relationship. You know, one of the purposes of prayer is not to get what we want. It's not to make life easier. Or it's not to get magical powers or to get all these spiritual gifts so we can do all things. But it's, it's just something to know God. We enter into prayer to know him. And the only reason we can do that is because he's loving. If he weren't a loving God, I don't know why we'd be praying. Other religions pray for different reasons. They pray differently than we do. But we pray because we have this relationship with a loving God. And he's inviting us into that kind of friendship. I want to encourage you to be praying and to read your Bible, memorizing Scripture, meditating on these things, and entering into that relationship with Him. I also want to encourage you to sign up for our Hearing God workshop. Uh, it's six weeks, and um, it, for some people, it just it just gets them back into the habit. You know, many people, have, a few people have said, you know, it's not like I I wasn't learning anything brand new, but it's just this accountability. And I'm coming every week, and then I'm going to be reading my Word, and I'm going to be listening to God. And, uh, and for some people, it has helped them uh, become more acute listeners, um, better listeners to God's voice, that inner voice inside of us. And so I encourage you to sign up. It's starting Tuesday, so after that, it's too late. You have two more days. You can sign up um, online. It's the core of building a relationship with him. Let me pray for you, and then I'll ask the music team to come on up. God, everything about you is relational. And I love that you are not like other gods who are pictured with very inhumane characteristics. Lord, it's hard for us to understand sometimes how you, how you relate to us because, I mean, you're God. But help us to appreciate those stories in the Bible where you called a person your friend and where you stooped down to their level and you entered into that kind of a dialogue relationship with them, will you give that to us? Draw us closer to you. Fill us with your love. May our love overflow to other people. And may people realize that there's something different about us simply because we have this vibrant relationship with you. Give us desire and a motivation for prayer with you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.